Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Place. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And you know, it's, it's funny, when I was looking at this slide after I put together my PowerPoint, I'm thinking, wow, that's aggressive. And then, then, I, then I came in and Jay had it on the screen and I went, wow, that's really aggressive. Um, but there are times in life when we ask that question, why? And it's pretty aggressive. Can you say amen? Uh, you don't have to be around very long uh, in life before you figure out that you can have some difficult days. Amen. And so I want to talk about that a little bit, but I want to remind you just very quickly of of where we've been so far. This really hasn't been a series, but it's kind of turned out that way. Two weeks ago, I spoke to you about our struggle with believing in times of trouble. And it, it always comes when we are hit with a crisis of faith that we begin to struggle with our faith. You know, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, fight the good fight of faith. Amen. First of all, the, the couple things that I see in that is faith is a fight. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to, you're going to have to engage, but it's also a good thing. Can you say amen? It's good. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Now, it doesn't matter if it's a health issue or a financial problem or a relationship that's on the rocks or our own spiritual well-being. The point is that there are times in life when things get out of joint. Can you say amen? We're hurting. Something is hurting us, and it's working on our minds, and we are wondering, when will all of this end? I think if there's anything that I struggle with, that's probably what I struggle with the most is, is I, I kind of want to just get through it, amen? Let's just get through it and get on the other side of it and be done with it. When is all of this going to end? And we're taught in these times, we're taught to pray. We're taught to get a hold of God, to stand on the promises of God and declare our faith and to speak to the mountain as it were. Can you say amen? Now, I want to say something. I want to go on just a little bit of a detour here just for a moment. You know, those things are very clearly spoken of in the Bible. And God is not mixing words here. God really does want us to do that. Amen. Now, look at I don't believe God wants you to go walk up to the wall of pies and cast it into the sea. I don't think that's what God wants you to do. But I do believe that what God really does want us to do is to speak to those things that stand like a mountain in our way. Can you say amen? You know, uh, somebody had said to me the other day, they, we were talking about the Bible, and we were talking about different things in the Bible, and the person said to me, this isn't a game. And it really isn't a game. And, and one of the things that I want to encourage you with this morning is that when God wrote those things in the Bible, he really was serious about us applying those things and walking in it. Can you say amen? That we would stand up in faith with the power of the Holy Spirit on the promises of the Word of God and declare what God has already determined to be. Can you say amen? That's what God wants for us, and we need to do that. And when we are going through those hard times, it's more critical then than any other time. 
All of those things that we talked about, they're good and we, we acknowledge them and when things are fine and everything's going well, we're, we're like, praise God, hallelujah. But it's when the moment comes that things begin to go sideways that we need to begin to speak to them th- those things and we need to begin to stand on that promise and believe God. Can you say amen? Now, I know that there are all, all of us have come into times where the answer has been delayed or the problem seems to linger or finances get less or relationships continue to deteriorate. And we ask ourselves, what now? What now? And we talked about this a couple weeks ago about the man who had been struggling with his son who was sick, demon-possessed. This demon was trying to kill his son. And over and over and over, he's searching for an answer. And finally, he comes to Jesus. The disciples can't do much, but Jesus looks at him and says, if you can believe, all things are possible. And he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think we have to get real about that sometimes. Sometimes we have to get real about the struggle. You know, God is not freaked out when we're struggling. God wants to help us. Let me say that to you again. That should be good news to you. God wants to help you. But what he needs you to be is honest about your struggle. You need to be able to go to him and say, God, I truly believe, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling. So that was two weeks ago. And then last week, we talked about God is a good God. In fact, he is a very present help in the time of trouble, And it seems that right in the middle of the most difficult situations and circumstances, God will reveal himself in ways that are truly remarkable. Can you say amen to that? So this morning what I want to do is I want to I kind of put a, maybe a little bit of a capstone on this, this, this thought, this train of thought. And I, 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 want, I want to ask the question, why? Why? Why is it that bad things happen to good people? Why is it that these things are transpiring in my life? Well, I have an answer for you. And I don't know if you will like the answer, but it is an answer nonetheless. And that is this, is that God is not the author of the bad thing, but God certainly will use it to your benefit and his glory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so good things get worked out in our lives. God does great and wonderful things through the trouble that befalls us. Jesus told us that in this life we will have tribulation. We'll talk more about that later. And he says, this is going to happen. But he says, don't be afraid. Don't worry. He says, because I have overcome the world. In other words, if you really go search that out, in other words, world, man, my microphone's going in and out, isn't it? I'll try to stay really loud, huh? Keep, keep going, just keep rolling. All right, I won't stop, I promise. <clears throat> so what he says is, he goes, I've overcome the world. In other words, I've deprived, of it, deprived it of its ability to harm you. He said, well, wait a second, I have felt harmed. You're right, you have, but you're not done. Amen. It ain't over. You win. Say that with me. You win. win. There you go. Some of you said, I win. That's good. You you got the translation. That's, That's wonderful. 
Well, this morning, what I want to look at is I want to look at why some of these things happen. And I believe that the reason some of these happen is because God is doing some really cool stuff. And I believe that God has some benefits for us right in the middle of our struggle. Can you say amen? And I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, and I want to look at what Paul is mining out here. He says this, starting in verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Listen to that. That is a powerful portion of Scripture. And in these verses, what we do is we discover a perspective on struggling in life that will help us if we embrace it. Let me, let me just say this one more time. I'm going to say this to you, and I'm going to share the verse. Struggling is a part of life. Christian or non-Christian? If you're a Christian, that doesn't mean you get a pass on struggle. It means you get to go through the struggle with someone that is fully equipped to help you with the struggle. John 16, 30, 30 said this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you have, may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Struggle is a part of life. It always amazes me how off guard we are where it concerns the difficult moments of our lives. It's as if we are totally unprepared for them. Amen. Now, I'm not throwing stones. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But I want you to know difficult days are on their way. But I also want you to know there is victory in every difficulty you will ever face. I want you to, under, no, I want you to understand and know that God is faithful in those moments. Now, here's the thing. After a brief greeting to the Corinthians, Paul and Timothy declare grace and peace to them. I love that. If you, if you go back and look at all of Paul's letters, he's always in the beginning declaring up front grace and peace. He's telling them, I think about you guys often. I pray for you often. I love you and I declare grace and peace over your life. And then in this letter, he immediately begins to talk about the comfort that he has received in the midst of the hardship he has endured as apostle. And it's right here that we learn an important principle for our lives. And that principle is this. It does not matter what happens to us, but it matters how we react to what's happening to us. One man said this. He says, when hard times come, 
be a student, not a victim. Now think about that for a moment. He says, be a student, not a victim. A victim says, why did this happen to me? A student says, what can I learn from this? A victim believes his hard times have come because God is against him. A student understands that God allows hard times in order to help him grow. A victim believes God has abandoned him. A student sees God's hand in everything, including the worst moments in life. That's the true Christian position. See, we believe so much in the goodness of God that when hard times come, we believe and we know that God is somehow, somewhere, in some way at work for our good in His glory. I know, that's, it's hard to hear that, isn't it? I know, I know when difficult days come, because here's the thing, the thing you've got to understand, church, and this is the thing I want you to catch, when difficult days come, sometimes they've come because we've done dumb stuff. Sometimes they come because it's an attack against our life. But whether it be an attack against us or, whether, or because we have made some bad decisions, the reality is God is there. God is there. He's in the midst of it. And what you do in the midst of it really is what this whole thing is about. Sometimes what you have to do when you're having a bad day, can I give you just a piece of advice that's not in my notes? Keep your mouth closed. <laughs> See, in bad days, what we like to do is talk about the bad day. When you talk about the bad day, you don't understand that you as a child of God have power, inherent power that's at work in you. And you begin to put things into place by the power of the tongue. And so what we do, what do we do? We talk about it. Oh, it's so bad. It's horrible. It's a horribly rotten, bad day, and I'm no good, and I don't know where God's at, and the church is horrible, and I don't know if we're going to make it, and I think everything's going to go in the dumpster, and you know what? We've run out of money. We've run out of food, and it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And what happens, you put things into reality. You begin to create a reality with the words of your mouth. The power of life and death, the Bible says, is in your tongue, but what we have to do is what we have to do is get a different perspective. Because look, at good days are going to come, bad days are going to come. That's just the reality. But in the midst of our bad days, we, are, we have an opportunity to see God in a different way. We have an opportunity to see Him as a rescuer. We have an opportunity to see Him as a deliverer, a provider. We have an opportunity to see Him as supernatural and miraculous. We have an opportunity to see Him move us from a place of difficulty to a place of victory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Paul says as much in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Notice he didn't say all things are good. He says all things work together for good. Seems like a small detail. It seems like I'm just kind of splitting hairs on semantics. But I tell you that believing the wrong thing here can make a huge difference in your life. In our text, we discovered that even though some days are difficult, God always brings about good in our lives as we allow Him to work through those moments. So I want to take a few minutes of your time this morning and I want to look at a few of those benefits that God works out. There is no doubt that in the midst of crisis, what we want is deliverance. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. If you're going through a difficult time, you want out. You want it to be done. We want to be done with this problem. But it is my belief that what God wants is victory. You know, I, I've heard this before. That I've heard people ask this question, and I've heard it answered in many different ways. It's like, why, why didn't God, in the Garden of Eden, why didn't God just stop everything? Why did He let all of that happen? And then all of the ensuing things that has followed for the last several thousand years. Why? Why did He keep that going? Because let me tell you something, it's my belief that there's far more to this life than we really understand. And there's far more to God's creation than we understand. Kathy and I were watching a video, and it was of a video of, of the cells in the very beginning stages of life, maybe, maybe about eight or nine cells when a baby is being conceived. And they actually now can see it on microscopes and however they do it that when those cells divide, there's actually light. There's actually a spark because life is there. And so there's far more to this reality. There's far more to who we are and what God's created. And so it wasn't like God could just go, okay, I'm done with that. Because God is a God of order. He's a God of rules. He, he operates in a way and he doesn't violate himself. Can you say amen? God wanted children, so he created a family. But he wanted those children to love him in their own will. He wanted them him. So that meant there had to be some other choice. And it had to be significant enough that they could completely reject God. And that's what they did. But God comes along rather than hitting the pause button on the, on the game or hitting restart or reset. God says, I'm going to come up with a way to win them back. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to buy them back. And then what he does is he decides that he is going to defeat the enemy. See, look, the devil and sin is no problem for God. It's not a fight. There is not a fight going on between God and the devil. 
God won. The devil said, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to exalt above you. And God said, no, you're not. And as fast as a lightning bolt, he was out of heaven. God's not fighting with the devil. But what, the God, what God does is says, you know what, devil? You meant it for evil, but I'm going to mean it for good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the ones that you tried to destroy, and I'm going to work through them with covenant relationship, and I'm going to use them to destroy you. That's what's happening. And so what God wants us to do is God wants us, God wants us to find the victory. God wants us to engage can you say amen? In verse 3 of our text, the Bible says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Paul called God the Father of mercies, and in the Greek this word, Mercies describes a deeply felt urge to help or to bring relief from some kind of pain and sorrow. God is a God that completely understands and identifies with our struggle. This is the very thing that Jesus felt in Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. See, God is not a detached God. God has not left us to our own devices. God has not, not, not stood back in the shadows. He has not just sat on his throne and said, you guys figure it out. But our God got involved. Can you say amen? He came as a man. He felt and was tried and tested and experienced everything we experience. And from that place, he is deeply moved and urged <coughs> to relieve the pain and sorrow in our lives. The word comfort in this verse, he says he is the God of all mercies and he is the source of all comfort. The word comfort in this is the Greek word parakletos. That actually is the word we use for Holy Spirit. It describes the encouragement and consolation and comfort that someone provides to another who is undergoing hardship and suffering. It's the encouragement in a time of desperate need and when you put these two words together, when you use them in a sentence, they tell us that God himself comes to the assistance of those who are suffering physical or emotional or mental pain. We could read verse 3 in our text this way. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is a Father who is deeply moved by our suffering and brings relief from pain and sorrow, who identifies with our struggle and brings encouragement, consolation, com and comfort in times of desperate need. See, it's that that we begin to experience in our troubles. And it's only in your trouble that you can experience that. 
In verse 4, Paul continues, and he says it's almost, and, and it's almost as if he's doubling down on his first statement. He says this, who comforts us in all our troubles, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. The word trouble here depicts a crushing pressure far beyond what the normal human being could undergo or survive. But God moves in a way that is far beyond what we can imagine. Look at what God is basically saying is, I'm standing by you, and I'm with you, and I'm here to relieve the pain. I'm here to redeem the cost. I'm here to set you free. I'm here to rescue and deliver you through this trial. And it's in that moment that we discover how close God really is to us. Secondly, those bad days equip us to minister to others. As a result, Paul was able to comfort them that are, which are in trouble. He was able to pour out that comfort. He understood. He understood the trouble others were in. And he was able to, he said, you know what? God came to me and comforted me. God was able to touch my life. Let me, let me have that mic. <clears throat> I don't know if that is disturbing you, but it is really throwing me off the back and forth. I could really hear it. So I thought I'd change the mics. But God is right there. And Paul says, he's been there for me. I can be there for you. I can help you. I can encourage you. I can strengthen you. There's nothing more powerful this morning than a personal testimony. A personal testimony of victory. Can you say amen? A testimony that says, I've been there, I've done that, and I've got through it, and God was faithful, and he helped me, and he delivered me, and he set me free. Paul could testify that God had sustained him through that crushing period of time. He had been comforted by God. God had stepped forward to personally sustain and encourage Paul and assure him that he would make it to the end of his trial. And so he is now able to look at others and go, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to make it. You're going to get through. We know life is filled with pain and suffering. When we hurt, there's nothing like the comfort of someone who has been there. That's been there. And this is the very thing that Paul is getting across to us. He's saying that's a benefit. This is a benefit. Not only have you experienced God personally, not only have you seen him in action, now you can come and you can look at someone else that's suffering and you can show them what you've learned. Our difficult days produce a third benefit. It empties us from all self-reliance. Wow. I think it's just the anointing. 
I think it's the anointing that's affecting the electronics. Amen. One day I'm going to look at a young pastor and he's going to go, man, all the electronics just went out on me. Ah, I've been there, done that. (laughs) I remember standing on stage and being so disturbed by it that I had to stop for a minute and collect my thoughts. (laughs) It's okay. I'm here. You there? All right. When tragedy strikes or hard times come or when a friend turns against us or when the bottom drops out of life and we wonder why are these happening? Why are these things happening? Why is this happening to me? We begin to learn that we cannot rely on self, but we can absolutely rely on God. I want you to listen to a portion of scripture. Psalm 61, 1 through 4 in the New Living Translation says, Oh God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. For you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. David's writing, and he's writing from a place where he says, my heart is overwhelmed. It's more than I can handle, God. It's more than I can deal with. But David had experience with God over and over and over again. And he knew not to rely on himself. But he knew that God would lead him to the rock that was higher than him. That God would set him on a wide place. That God would establish his feet and make him stable. Let me see if I could get this point across with another snapshot out of Scripture. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 and 9, this is just after our text from the New Living Translation. It says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, that's the key. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Even for the Apostle Paul, life oftentimes was difficult and hard. And he had many afflictions. And in this one, he expected even to die. But he says, as a result, because of this, here was the benefit. We stopped relying on self, and we started relying on the one who can raise the dead. Church, if there's anything that gets us in trouble, more than anything, it's our insistence on relying on self. That somehow we are equipped in ourselves to make it through this. 
that somehow we can push through and we can man up or we can willpower our way through it. And the truth is, you will not be able to. Without God, you can do nothing, the Bible says. Without him, you will not be able to make it. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that it's in those times, in those difficult times, that begin to shine a spotlight on the areas of our life where we are insisting on doing it our way. And it's in those moments that God says, stop doing that. Don't do it your own way. Rely on me. Trust me, I will get you through this. And there's one final thing that I believe this trouble brings as a benefit to us, and it reveals the true power of prayer. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, you also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on behalf for the gift, on our behalf, for the gift granted to us through many. This statement comes right after Paul's explanation of the trouble that they experienced and the way God delivered them, but he also includes the fact that the prayers of the saints were a major part of that victory. The phrase helping together is a compound word that comes from three other words that, 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 that mean this individually, with, under, and work. The idea is, of you've seen it, you've seen the Amish barn raisings. You've seen it in two different styles. One, have, have you seen the videos where the Amish get together and all of a sudden there's like 500 people out there and they're all building. And in one day a barn is built complete. Or there's other videos where they don't like where the barn's sitting and they want to move it to the next room, next pasture. And there's about 500 of them and they all get, and they pick the barn up and they're carrying it. That is the picture. Look at church, I want to say this to you. In the time of trouble, the first one you need is God. Can you say amen? You need him because he is there for you. He is going to bring victory. He is going to encourage you. He is going to strengthen you. He is going to console you and comfort you. He knows what you're feeling. He doesn't just know it in general. He knows your pain because he carried your pain on the cross. And the second thing we need in the time of trouble is to know that we can rely on the brothers and sisters that we have in the church. That when they pray, God listens. That we may not be able to do this on our own, but we can together pick this thing up and carry that load. Church, what I see more and more in this day and age is this insistence on being independent. We were created to be interdependent. Can you say amen? We were created to work together. We were created to minister to one another. The Bible even goes on to say each joint supplying what the other needs. So if you're here today and you're going through a time, a season of trouble, of difficulty, the first thing you need to know is that God is there that he is in the midst of your situation, 
And you can trust him. And he will work it out. And he has got victory. But I could tell you this. One thing I could tell you, he's not going to do it the way you think he's going to. I was telling Kathy about this last night. I was having this revelation, uh, or, or not last night, a few nights ago. I was having this revelation that we, we look and we see a leak in the roof and we go, oh no, the roof's leaking. We, we need to get over there and fix it. And God says, no, you need to turn the doorknob. And we go, what? Yeah, don't worry about that. Go, go over there and turn the doorknob. Uh, well, the leak is over here. No, no, go turn the doorknob. But the leak is over here. It's leaking water that has nothing to do with the doorknob. And God says, I know. Just go turn the doorknob. And last night or yesterday, I was thinking, why does he do that? Why is he so counterintuitive in the midst of my trouble? Why doesn't he just fix my problem? Because it boils down to trust. The problem is nothing for God. Did you hear that? The problem is nothing. So I need $10,000. Jump change, nothing. (laughs) The doctor said I have cancer. It it ain't nothing. I made your body. I can fix it. My marriage is falling apart. I I, I know. I I can move in that. I can fix that. My children are going way. I know. I know. I can deliver them. The problem is not the problem. The problem is you. I need you to trust me. So go turn the doorknob. But that's not the problem, God. Okay, let me explain it again. The problem is not the problem. The problem is you, and what I need is you to turn the doorknob because when you walk in obedience, you release my power. And then my power comes and fixes what's wrong. So go turn the doorknob. That hit me, and it's like, why do you do, why do, you do things that are counterintuitive? It's because, you know what? What I want you to do is trust me. I want you to do what I want to do. I've already got a plan. I know how to fix it. I've already thought this through before it ever happened. I can fix anything you got. Just trust me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the only way we get to that point is we have to go through some stuff. And we go, no, I turned the doorknob and God moved. I'm not certain why when I turned the doorknob, he fixed the leak. I'm, I'm not really sure how that worked. I don't know how those things are connected. It's connected by the fact that you trusted. It's, it's connected because you were obedient to him. Jesus told Peter, yeah, we got to pay the temple tax, so go fishing. Don't make sense, does it? But he fixed it, didn't he? Church, why do things happen? Sometimes because we make bonehead decisions. Sometimes it's just life. But whether it's your bad decision or whether it's life, God's got victory for you if you'll trust him. And that's what it's all about. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had together. And we thank you for this revelation, God, 
We pray that you will help us to apply this to our lives. Father, help us to see you in all that's going on here. Lord, in those moments when we are struggling, those moments when we're challenged, those moments, God, when we can't make sense of things, Father, help us to look to you, to experience you, to trust you. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that we would learn to surrender and to give our lives completely over to you. And I pray, Lord, right now for everyone sitting in this room, Lord, that you would touch their lives and minister to them. God, that you would help them and encourage them. And Lord, in those who are right now struggling in their lives, God, that you would be that very present help in time of trouble. Lord, those that are struggling, Lord, to believe, God, that you would help their unbelief. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask my ministry team to come, if they would, and just find a place to stand up front as they do. And for the rest of you, I, I want you to I want to encourage you to, if you need prayer, come up and let them pray for you. Let them minister to you. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you today. God bless you. You're free to go. You have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday afternoon. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.